came to know Christ as a result of, of you and your investment in missions, sending the Myers to South Africa or the Hansons to France or Thomases and Leonards and so on and so forth, you think of a, of a grand reunion that that's going to be in heaven and the joy that we have to share in that. What a, what a great blessing that will be. We look forward to that, and um, maybe today, amen, we never, never know. So, in our, in our studies, we have been looking at the character of God, the nature of God, and His purpose for us, His promises to us, and now we're really getting into this aspect of, um, today it's about as we mentioned, to be holy, about the standard that God sets. And then it's going to go in and deal with uh, how we can't meet that standard in and of ourselves. We'll touch on that a little bit today. And then um, bringing us glorious God, glorious gospel, the good news of the gospel. And we'll touch on some of that today. But um, every one of us have have set certain standards in our life. I mean, there's certain things that you'll say, okay, that's good enough. And there's other things you'll say, nope, that's not good enough, okay? And standards are sometimes set by us. Sometimes they're set by others. Um, we had the privilege yesterday to go to the great Wayne County Fair and to the cattle show and then to the rodeo. And there are standards that are set. The judge sets standards in the cattle show. But everyone that's showing cattle sets standards. You know, they're manicuring that thing and getting it just right. And, and some of the standards are a little less than others maybe, or they can't reach the standards. And even when they're showing them, you know... If if the feet, the hooves aren't, the legs aren't just matched up right, they poke them to move them forward or back or, you know, they got the neck held. And, and they give rewards, uh, the judgments and points and placing based on standards. At the rodeo last night, um, in a calf roping, one of the first ones out, 3.4 seconds. And the, and the announcer said, boy, that's setting the bar pretty high. And, um, and there were others that in the rodeo last night rode a bronc, and they weren't happy with their score. They said, that doesn't meet my standard. So they had the opportunity to scratch that ride and go do it again because they had a personal standard that said, I can do better than that. I can get a better score than that. And incidentally, they did, and we're glad he's here today. Are you all right? But the reality is, standards are a part of life. And God sets standards for our lives. And he has the ability, because he is God, to set standards. And when we come to talk about holiness, I, I really feel like um, I'm starting out when it comes to talk about holiness, like 
I've already got two strikes on me, and the guy's throwing a hundred mile an hour curveballs. You know what I'm saying? It's like I don't know how we're going to convey this because. Just be honest with me. How many of you have positive thoughts when you think about personal holiness? Meaning, most of us, that wasn't a good, clear question, so I'll back up, okay? Most of us, when we think of holiness, we think of, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this, be separate from sin. And, and, in some regard, it's, it's not a positive thing to us. Now, I'm not one that says everything in life ought to be positive. But what I want us to see today is God has set the standard and its holiness. And it is a beautiful thing. It is a positive thing. And it is something that is within each and every one of us here today as believers. And, and it's not something that is a burden, that is, oh boy, um, holiness means I'm, I've got to do all this and I'm going to be weird and, and all of these things. God's standard is for each and every one of us is that God has called us to holiness. In 1 Peter chapter 1, we read that our behavior should be one of holiness. And he said, be you holy because I am holy. In other words, as children of the Father, a child reflects the characteristics of its parents. We should reflect the characteristics of our Father, God. And God says, because I am holy, I want you to be holy. In Deuteronomy, God said to Moses at the very beginning, He said, this is what I require of you. And He listed four things in Deuteronomy 10. Fear God, walk in His ways, love Him, and serve Him. Now, there are four things that he mentioned. Fear God, walk in His ways, love Him, and serve Him. And really, that's a definition of holiness. But throughout Scripture, we read it over and over again. Look at Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 24. Let me, let me back up and begin in verse 20. But you have not so learned Christ, if indeed you have heard Him and have been taught by Him, as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off concerning your former conduct the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man which was created according to God, in true righteousness and holiness. So he's saying, as a believer, you put off these old things that ruled in your life, and you put on the new man, which is true righteousness and holiness. In, in Psalm 96, turn there if you would, Psalm 96. 
I want, I want you to see this. And four different times in the Bible, he mentions this phrase, Psalm 96 and verse, verse 9. Oh, worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. Notice what he said. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. I've, I've said before that um, my attitude at a time in my life, at a length of time in my life, was, was a negative attitude toward holiness. I did not like, as I've said before, the song, Holy, Holy, Holy. That's how, that's how it came across to me. It didn't, it didn't have meaning to me because I was carnal and, and in the flesh. And, and I thought, can we get this over and go on? And some of you may have already had that attitude today. And some of you may be thinking now, can we get this over and go on? It'll be over and whenever, okay? I'm not going to promise anything because some of you wouldn't mark it down, all right? But at any rate... I didn't see the beauty of holiness. But God started doing a work in my life, and and it's not a work that's finished. But the more I go on, the more I'm beginning to see, man, this is a beautiful truth. And this is a glorious thing that God has given us. And he, he said it's a requirement for all worship. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. In Romans chapter 12, he, he identifies holiness. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is a good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And he says, this is our reasonable service since Christ has redeemed us, forgiven our sins, It's reasonable for us to not be fashioned after our old way of life, but to live in newness of life. In 2 Corinthians chapter 7 and verse 1, when he's talking about holiness, he says that we should be perfected in holiness. The word that is used there really means maturing in holiness. Growing in holiness, that it it is something that we should grow in. And we've been talking that our our purpose is to know God, to honor God, and to treasure God. And if we treasure God, we will be committed to being holy. So, let's, let's ask this question. What is holiness? The very word itself means to be set apart for special service. Set apart, two aspects. Set apart from sin. Okay? Sin represented here. We're set apart from sin, but set apart unto God. Um, Some of you have, have coffee mugs that you have set apart. That is your coffee mug. Nobody messes with your coffee mug. Some of you, you don't even wash your coffee mug, and that, that keeps people from messing with your coffee mug. But, 
people have various things that, that are their own thing, that are set apart. Or you have certain things. The only time we use this, some of you ladies have dishes that the only time you use them are for special occasion. Um, but there are things that we set apart for special use. God has set us apart as believers for special use for Him. It is interesting. It means set apart. But also another aspect of the meaning of this is holy has the same root word that we get our whole, the whole, I ate the whole pie, the complete thing. It, it carries that connotation, not only set, part, set apart, but it is completely set apart for him. This is, my, this is my sole purpose. And a man is not complete in his life unless his heart, mind, soul, and strength is given to God. So, in essence, he's saying, I have set you apart, and I'm calling you to be set apart completely to me. Interesting, another aspect of the definition of, of holiness, the old word for holy in the German language is heilig. It also means to be healthy. You could not get a better definition of holy. It means completely healthy. So when I am set apart unto God... I am completely whole. I am completely vibrant in life. You know, many people live life and don't really live. And if you don't, if you are not set apart unto God, you're you're living life. You're running on two cylinders on an eight cylinder. You're not. You don't have the power. You don't. I mean, you don't even sound good in life. You know what I'm saying? But when you have, you know, you've heard guys say it's hitting on all cylinders. And you've heard people say about someone else, they're not hitting on all four cylinders or eight cylinders or whatever. When everything's working like it should, holy, there is great joy. There is great honor to God. This isn't... This isn't something that um, is to be a burden. This is something that is to produce great joy. So, what is holiness? It is set apart completely unto God for the fullness of life that God has intended for us. A.W. Pink said, Everything in Scripture has in view the promotion of holiness. Now, here's the problem. We know that God is holy, separate from sin, and we know that we live in a sin-cursed world, and our heart is prone to sin, and we struggle with this holiness. But here's the good news. God gave us His Holy Spirit to make us holy. 
This is the ministry of the Spirit. Turn to John chapter 16. We oftentimes say that the Holy Spirit is the Comforter, and He is the Comforter. We, we say that the Holy Spirit produces fruit in our life, and He does produce fruit in our life. And He does that by doing this work of making us holy, of making us holy, committed, dedicated, consecrated to God. Notice John 16 and verse 8. He's talking about the Holy Spirit. He said to the disciples, it's important for me that I leave because if I don't leave, Jesus Christ is saying, the Holy Spirit won't come. And it's important for you that the Holy Spirit comes because... He says in verse 8, And when He has come, He will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin because they do not believe in Me. Of righteousness because I go to My Father and you see Me no more. Of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. He said, The Holy Spirit has come and He will convict us of sin what is wrong, of righteousness, what is right, and of judgment, our responsibility that we're going to answer to God. And the Holy Spirit is God's gift to every believer to teach us how to live a holy life. And it's a personal gift that dwells within us when we call upon Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins. So holiness comes down to this simple thing. It comes down to obedience. Obeying what the Spirit instructs us to do. It's not a long list of do's and don'ts. It's obedience to the Spirit of God. You won't become holy by merely studying your Bible. That's a good first step. You'll become holy by living it, by obeying it, by obeying. As you read the Bible, the Spirit of God convicts you, and and you will become holy as you take the conviction of God's Spirit and you say, I'm going to put that into practice in my life. Sometimes it is, don't do that anymore. Sometimes it is, you need to start doing this. Sometimes it is convicting us, your attitude in that situation was wrong. You need to go ask forgiveness for it. And rather than just dismissing it, we obey it. it, it it's not complicated. The Christian life is not complicated. It's simple. I didn't say it's easy. But it's not complicated. It's taking one step of obedience. After we've trusted Christ for the forgiveness of sin, it's obeying. He is here, we read in in 1 Peter, He is here to bring us to holiness. See, we, we sometimes act like the Holy Spirit is our enemy. That He comes and convicts, that's wrong, and, and that's wrong, and that's all we see Him. But the reason He's showing us things in our life, what not to do or what to do, is because He wants us to be whole and complete. 
He wants us to be healthy and strong, vibrant Christians. That's what He wants in our life. And when you obey Him, you'll see the fruit of that. So, He's called the Holy Spirit for a reason because He produces holiness that glorifies Christ. And that's His purpose. So, we have the Spirit of God given to us to produce holiness in our life. To produce this completeness, this vibrancy, this health, this life that, that would be an example to others. Wow, you have something that I wish I had. And it all comes as we moment by moment, step by step, obey the Spirit of God. So, we ask another question. Why is there such a lacking of holiness? Well, first of all, some do not have the Spirit of God. Romans chapter 8 and verse 9, it says, If any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. So some do not have the Spirit of God. Um, Can I ask? Chasen and Corden and Drew, can you guys come up here? Okay, Chasen, right here. You survived that riding last night? That's good to hear. Um, Chasen's going to represent God, okay? Corden, sorry, and, and don't let this go to his head today, okay? Corden's going to represent us sinners, all right? Drew, you come here. Drew is going to represent the Holy Spirit. I didn't plan it this way, but the Holy Spirit is the unseen member of the Trinity. You can't see him, can you? Now, these aren't, these aren't designed fully to, to illustrate, but here we are, represented here in Corden, and... We're sinners. And until Corden comes to realize that he is separated from God, and there's no hope, no matter how hard he tries to be as good as he can be, he cannot be holy unto God. And and to realize that, and to realize, you come up here, I didn't plan it this way, so don't think so. He's going to represent Jesus Christ, okay? Until Corden realizes Jesus Christ is the only bridge between God and man. It's not a religion. It's, it's, not, it's not a list of works. It's not anything else. And when Corden realizes Jesus Christ died on the cross to pay the penalty for my sin, then... He has forgiveness of sin. He's brought into the family of God. And God put the Holy Spirit in cordon. So you stand right behind him there, okay? See, you don't see the Spirit of God in your life, but he's in there. And the Spirit of God starts working. So Spirit, direct him over this way, okay? See, the Spirit of God says, cordon, 
This is what you need to do in your life. The Spirit of God takes the Bible and says, Corden, you need to read the Bible. And the Spirit of God points out something in the Bible. And now Corden is at a point, am I going to obey the Spirit? Am I going to listen to Him? God the Father says, man, I hope He listens to Him. Because then His life will be complete and full and vibrant and He'll have victory over sin. And my son's life will not be wasted, will not be in vain. And so the Holy Spirit is at work in his life. And because the Holy Spirit is here, he produces fruit. But we say, why is there, why is there a lack of holiness? Some people don't have the Holy Spirit. You can just sit down over there, okay? They don't have the Holy Spirit because they've never trusted Christ. The ministry of the Holy Spirit in his life now is to... Nope, you're not in him yet, okay? Sorry. You're, you're outside of him and, and you're saying, you're a sinner and you need Jesus Christ. That's the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Anyone that has never trusted Christ, the Holy Spirit points them to Jesus Christ. Once he comes to Jesus Christ, then the Holy Spirit dwells within him. And the Holy Spirit is there to to bring things to light in his life and make a difference in his life and give him fellowship with the Father and give him joy, give him victory over sin, and all of it is not in vain. Thank you, guys. You may be seated. Give him a hand, okay? So, if a person does not have the Holy Spirit, they need to get saved. They need to ask Jesus Christ to forgive their sins, turn from their sin, and trust Jesus Christ. But there are some people that have trusted Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit isn't producing a lot of fruit in their life because they have quenched the Spirit. They have grieved the Spirit. It's just like um, Drew is here and he may be telling Corden what to do, but Corden has the choice like you and I have the choice. I can obey what the Holy Spirit says or I can disobey. And you know what? Most every prompting of God's Spirit goes against our nature. The flesh is against the Spirit, and the Spirit is against the flesh, and that's why it's so hard. And so when the Spirit says to us as men, your attitude toward your wife wasn't right, you need to go seek forgiveness, or vice versa, and we say, no way, we've grieved the Spirit of God. And the more we grieve the Spirit of God, the less we hear the Spirit of God, Until all we're doing is going through the motions of Christian life and it becomes a drudgery. Well, I better go to church. I better do this. I better do that. And we've grieved the Spirit of God that we don't hear the Spirit of God speaking to us. 
And he says, be careful that you don't quench the Spirit. That's, that's pouring water over the fire of the Spirit and quenching it so that it's, it's like it's not even there. The Spirit of God is still in you as a believer, but we quench it. And, and if, if the Spirit of God is convicting you right now and saying, that's you, I'd urge you to go home and read Psalm 51 and read it as your own. The psalmist said, God, restore unto me the joy of your salvation and and take not your spirit from me. The spirit of God is in us as believers. But when we quench the spirit, when we grieve the spirit and say, that doesn't make any sense. And you know what? Most of the things that God asks us to do, humanly speaking, don't don't make sense. They're very logical, but to our flesh, our flesh is rebellious. We react to it. And, and God has called us to obey the Spirit. The Holy Spirit is your best friend. He is your most faithful ally. And yes, it is raining, okay? So um, the roof isn't caving in yet, all right? And the Holy Spirit is telling you now, ignore the rain and focus on the truth, okay? So you, the Holy Spirit is your best friend. He's your most faithful ally. He is your greatest strength. When you obey the Spirit, you will have a clear conscience. And a clear conscience is of the great... You can't put a price on a clear conscience. You can stand whatever lies and slander because you know you are right with God and that only comes by obeying the Spirit of God. And He is for you. Whatever He asks you to do, He is asking it because He wants you complete. He wants you whole. He wants you healthy. Now, some have grieved and quenched the Spirit and and because of that, they need to confess their sin of disobedience to the Spirit and, and ask God to renew His Spirit within them. But some do not have the same goal as the Spirit. Okay? So, some, they, they went through the motions, and God alone knows their heart, But they want Jesus Christ to take care of eternity. But I want to live my own life and do my own thing. God's goal for us is to make us like the Father. To make us right here, as Chasen was represented here. To make us like the Father. And so, if my goal is what I've determined... I'm going two separate ways. I can't go out here today and come to Highway 34 and say, I'm going to Osceola, but I turn left and go toward Ottumwa. And I can be in the car driving and you're saying, I thought we were going to Osceola. I am going to Osceola. And you'd say, you've lost your mind. What, are you driving around the whole earth to get to Osceola? And many of us in our Christian life have separate goals from what the Holy Spirit has. 
The Holy Spirit's goal is to make you like Christ. And, and right here, I mean, all the different occupations and talents and gifts and locations, God is, you are special to God, and God says, I want to make you like Christ. I want to make you holy like Christ because where you are in your work and the people you meet and in your life and in your family, I want to bring Christ to them. And so the Holy Spirit says, I'm working at you, on you to be like Christ. And, and we fight it because our goal is Christ to make our goals succeed. Christ isn't here to make our goals succeed. Christ is here to glorify the Father through us. And, and it is important for us to understand that our goal needs to be what the Holy Spirit is. And that's why there is such a lack of holiness. I believe it was Leonard Ravenhill said, I think one of the tragedies of modern Christianity is this, that we are more afraid of holiness than we are of sinfulness. We can tolerate sin, but boy, we get our hackles up when we talk about holiness. See, we tolerate sin because it kind of goes along with our agenda. But when you see holiness is obedience to the Holy Spirit, you begin to see that His ways are perfect and I need to obey it. Another reason why there is no holiness. Some have just given up. There is no holiness without warfare. It's a battle. As we said, you're always battling your flesh and your heart. And honestly, we all get tired of battling. There's times I get tired of battling. But I, I understand if I quit, then it's really over. But many times we just, we just kind of give up. We, we just kind of back up. Holiness is not an option to the Christian. It's not something that, well, you know, some of them want to be a ten uh, in the Christian life. I'm content with a two or three as long as I get into heaven. That isn't how God views it. If you're a follower of God, God says, I'm going to be working in your life to make you like Christ. That's holiness. And He says... If you just give up on that, he says, I will bring other things into your life and, and cause you to see that this is what you need. Holiness is not a luxury, it's a necessity. And, and it's important for us to realize that we are to be partakers of his holiness. Don't believe the devil's lie that obeying God is unattractive. Don't believe the devil's lie that if you obey the Spirit of God, it won't be good. I, can, I could give you example after example of individuals, and you probably could from, from your life as well, that you believed what the flesh or the spirit, not the spirit, the flesh or Satan or 
others influenced us to do. And the flesh always ends in death. It didn't turn out well. See, the Spirit says, this is what you need to do. And the flesh says, no, no, no. If, if, you go, if you don't go drinking and carousing with them, you'll never win them. You're not going to win them like that. If you don't, if you don't lie for them, um, you won't have an influence. No, you obey the Spirit and the Spirit will provide the influence. You, you obey the Spirit of God. And we're living in a world that it gets harder and harder to obey the Spirit of God because the, the, flat, the world is just, the influence is just pulling us down. But when you obey the Spirit, you will find the beauty of holiness. This is beautiful. The world says... Live it up. Have sex with whoever. And when you're ready to settle down, then just just settle down. Yeah, and you're bringing all that baggage into the marriage. And we wonder why marriages don't make it. Because we violated all God's standard and all God's rules. And we bring this into the marriage. And we have all this garbage that is there that we battle all the way through the marriage. God is merciful to forgive, but we carry this baggage. And God says, you obey me. He said, there's, an, <laughs> there's enough battles in marriage. You don't need to bring any extras into it, right? You're putting two, sin, two sinners together. You don't need to make it more difficult. And I'm telling you, every, every person that seeks to follow God's ways will never regret it. God, I am committed to your spirit. I want to be set apart to you only. My life is for you. See, and and that doesn't mean you you have to give up everything that you're interested in. God's put those interests in you. He wants to use them for his glory. <clears throat> And every one of you have different purposes, different giftings, different upbringings. And God says, I, I want to make that holy. I want to use it. I want you to be complete. I want you to be healthy. I want you to be strong. Representative of me, God says. If you are not set apart unto God, Who are you going to be set apart unto? Self? How is that going to end? God is perfect in all His ways. And that's why last last Sunday night, we were reminded of the song, Take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to Thee. That means I am set apart for You, God. I was over here where Corden was. I was over here in sin and condemned. And all that was ahead of me was hell. But you sent Jesus Christ to forgive my sins. And I owe everything to you. Take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to thee. 
I'm going to obey that spirit in my life. When he prompts me a simple little thing, smile at that person. I don't feel like smiling, your flesh says. They don't deserve my smile. I mean, we battle it all the time, simple little things. No, I'm not going to do that. You obey the Spirit of God, and you will know the beauty of holiness. You will know the joy. You will know the peace. You will know the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. That's what holiness is. It's great. It's a wonderful thing that we have to keep pursuing by obeying the Spirit of God. Heavenly Father, I pray that today your Spirit would do the work in hearts. God, my words cannot accomplish it. And I pray that everyone here would know the drawing of your Spirit. Lord, if there are people here today that have never personally called upon Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins, I pray today that they would would come to You and call upon You for the forgiveness of sins through Jesus Christ. And then, Lord, I pray for we as believers here today. Lord, as we've grieved Your Spirit in disobeying, I pray that we would come back and confess our sin And know that you are faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And I pray that we would start to know the leading of your Spirit as we never have before. And that you would find in us an attitude that says, I'll obey your Spirit. I'll do what you want, Lord. Lord, perhaps there's some that have just kind of given up and and think, They're just going to coast out until life is over or or until you come. Lord, help them to be back in the fight. Help them not to give in to the, the lies of Satan, to the flesh. And Lord, I pray that your spirit would make personal in us a discerning spirit to recognize the lies of Satan and to know the truth of you and that we would walk in that truth. Lord, may we come to know the beauty of holiness. I pray in your name. Amen. Let's stand together with our heads bowed and eyes.